Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Podcast, sharing tools, tips, and techniques for healthcare quality improvement with a special focus on managing data. Here's the latest update. Hello, my name is David Kashmir. I'm a trauma and acute care surgeon, and I have a special focus on quality improvement in healthcare. And on this episode of the podcast, we're going to discuss that healthcare is at least a decade behind other industries. Did you know that our field lags behind many others in terms of attention to basic safety? For those of you who focus on healthcare quality and patient safety, that's probably old news. After all, the Institute of Medicine said exactly that in its To Air is Human report from 1999. Here's a portion of a recent post I wrote up for thehill.com which describes exactly that and includes a link uh, to that report. Um, Healthcare is at least a decade behind other high-risk industries and its attention to basic safety. And in 1999, as the excerpt goes from thehill.com, the IOM published To Air is Human, which codified what many quality experts in healthcare already knew. In terms of quality improvement, unfortunately, healthcare is at least a decade behind. More recently, A widely criticized paper from Johns Hopkins cited medical errors as the third leading cause of death in the United States. Even if you don't agree that medical errors are the third leading cause, the fact that medical errors even make the list at all is obviously very concerning. We have a link in the blog with the entire article if you'd like to link to it and also if you'd like to see the Two Errors Human Report. Now, what you may not know is how our field lags when it comes to the adoption of other emerging trends. The Healthcare Quality Podcast, focusing on data and decision-making tools for healthcare quality improvement. For example, there's a graphic on this site Uh, from earlier this year. And it shows that industries are at different stages in the adoption of digital technology. Healthcare, unfortunately, again, is sort of a laggard here. Now, all of that said, I spend a lot of time wondering exactly why we lag in certain key areas. And here's what I've come up with. I'm interested in any thoughts or feedback that you might have. First, using the word lag supposes that the direction everyone else is going is some sort of goal to be achieved or some type of race. And it seems to me that the way the graphic sets things up, and again, that's on the website, thehealthcarequalityblog.com, the way the graphic sets things up implies a progression or a goal of digitization. In that graphic, it seems as if we are ranked in terms of progress towards some endpoint of digitization. Now, let's take some time and consider whether framing the situation as progress towards some digital endpoint really makes sense. Now, perhaps no one likes technology more than me. I tend to be an early adopter, sometimes an innovator, with devices and software that help me get done what I want to do, both personally and for patients. Yes, I use a Fitbit, a fitness tracker, and that's not so special nowadays, really. And I use services like exist.io to look for meaningful correlations across things I do, such as how much sleep I get with how I perform. 
This system takes me no time. It all happens under the hood and sometimes even gives me non-intuitive correlations, which are perhaps the most useful. They're things I didn't expect and they can show me difference and allow me to make meaningful change. Here's an example of what I mean. It's, it's again on the website. Uh, this one is sort of a weak correlation. I wouldn't do anything differently based on it, but between my trackers and everything, uh, exist.io tells me that I use linkedin.com more when I consume less fat. Now, of course, correlation's not causation, but the point is these sort of non-intuitive cor uh, correlations can be really useful for me. The bottom line is, I think, every time I see a big data article or learn about how websites figure out things about my health that I don't even know, well, I think we're we're pretty much all in on this progression towards the digitization idea. At least I am. You may remember from several years ago that Target was sending out uh, to uh, young women um, congratulations and uh, um, special invitations to purchase certain things on their website or in their stores. And uh, they were doing that saying, you know, congratulations on your baby that's coming. And the only thing was, the women had no idea they were pregnant. And sometimes the people who lived at home with the women had no idea they were pregnant. And they did this based on big data. It was one of those stunning stories that came from the fact that Target could predict pretty well if someone was pregnant just based on their web browsing history, even if that person didn't know that they were pregnant. So again, uh, I think that yes, there is a meaningful progression towards digitization across industries. And yes, I feel it's more useful for healthcare to get on board than it is to lament where things are going or to question whether digitization is meaningful for healthcare. And I especially feel good about that digitization when I remember the days of my training and how I used to have to hunt for x-rays on film. The Healthcare Quality Podcast, bringing you keys to unlock your data. part, we're slower uh, as a second point um, regarding, you know, kind of my thoughts on, <clears throat> on why we lag in certain key areas in healthcare. In part, we're slower to adopt because we deal with people's health. You know, we don't build cars and we don't fly planes, really. Although certain lessons learned from other industries are very important, many in healthcare believe our service is different. Some are even skeptical of whether we should adopt tools that worked well across other industries. Now, you know from reading the blog and, and different posts and listening to the podcast, I'm a big proponent that the tools are the tools. The math, the uh, way we do DMAIC projects, it doesn't know what industry we're working in. Those tools <clears throat> do work across industries. Uh, just because we may have a bit of uh, NIH or not invented here syndrome in medicine, doesn't mean that the tools don't work fine. In fact, they do. And fascinatingly, at times, we're often reinventing the wheel and re-evolving the same tool that already exists. Uh, that's sort of a theme that runs through these uh, blog posts in other areas. But the bottom line is, some are skeptical of whether we should adopt tools that worked well in other industries. I mean, we work with people's health. In the United States especially, that's a very big deal, and many regard it as a true calling. So being the careful people that we are, it seems to make sense 
that our field may be slower than others to adopt new things. It's very conservative and maybe even highly adaptive to be that way. We don't fall victim to the newest thing coming down the pike. However, you know the techniques of Lean and Six Sigma are not new anymore. And in fact, they are starting to gain much more wide adoption in healthcare. Uh, you can find uh, links to several of the articles that say just that uh, at our blog at insights.thesurgicallab.com and also uh, the healthcarequalityblog.com. When it comes to certain aspects of our work, like patient safety and quality, I should add here that there are those well-worn tools that apply to all services, even services like ours called healthcare. We should adopt these, and unfortunately, we're still behind in doing so. And I'll add that adopting these tools helps us as, our, as providers, even as it helps our patients. And if you're interested in specifics on just that, for how they can help and what they've done, take a look at the book of Volume to Value uh, that we put out on just that topic uh, earlier this year, and that's available on Amazon. So the bottom line here, part of why healthcare may be slower to adopt emerging trends is because we feel very strongly that only the best, well-worn, known tools should be applied to people's health. As another reason, a third reason, sometimes we're slower to adopt because much of the push to adopt has come from outside. About three months ago, I just finished speaking at a quality improvement conference in Philadelphia. This one had over a thousand participants from diverse companies, and it really ran the gamut from Ford to Crayola to large hospitals to DuPont, and each participant was focused on quantitative quality improvement. And after my talk, there were lots of questions, and one question really struck me in particular. One gentleman said, how can you improve healthcare quality when you still get paid even when things are bad? I mean, when I make a car, if there's a quality problem and that car comes back to me, I eat that cost. So how can you expect people to adopt quality tools in healthcare if you're still getting paid for the car, even if it's a lemon? The audience member had really hit it on the head. Isn't it difficult to advance topics like quality where healthcare is a decade behind if you're still reimbursed even when there's a quality issue? What he hit on is that tension between a pure fee-for-service model versus a value-based reimbursement. And I was able to share with him that healthcare is transitioning right now away from being paid, even when there's a quality issue, to a model where reimbursement is much more focused on value provided to patients. And in part, we know that from what Health and Human Services has told us previously, that they're targeting more than 50% of payments uh, into a value-based idea um, by 2018. Now, we're all waiting with bated breath to learn about the new Health and Human Services Secretary and the new Trump administration and where things will go. But the bottom line is, in large part, it looks like value is here to stay. I was also able to share with the guy that things aren't easy because we all have to agree on what exactly value and quality means in healthcare, and we don't always do that, but we're getting there. We talked about how buy-in from everyone in healthcare for quality initiatives and more rigorous quantitative ones, I think will increase in the next 10 to 15 years as a result of health and human services. I think we can see this is already happening. Our conversation reinforced for me that much of the quality push and digitization push has come from outside healthcare. When the adoption of electronic health records and other forms of digitization are incentivized via meaningful use initiatives 
And the Health and Human Service Department has told us that more and more of reimbursement is going to be tied to value-based metrics. It's clear that a significant portion of the push to adopt emerging trends has come from outside what may be considered the typical traditional healthcare sphere. Items that were typically held as improvements in healthcare over hundreds of, of last hundred years included game changers, clinical game changers like general anesthesia, penicillin, or the ability to safely traverse the one to two inches between the heart and the outside world with cardiac surgery. Prior to the development of cardiac surgery, some famous surgeons had predicted that that route would be forever closed to the wise surgeon. Now, especially to physicians, it can be harder to see the value in moving in those directions, moving in the directions which are not huge clinical leaps, but are value leaps, systems-based thinking leaps. That's a whole different thing. Many in healthcare feel they are pushed toward them. Yes, every physician wants the best outcome for the patient, yet seeing quality as the systematic reduction of variation, along with improvement in the central tendency of a population, is not always intuitive. Given the backdrop of the very specific, individualized physician-patient relationship, it can be challenging to understand the value of a quality initiative that sometimes seems to play to eliminating a defect, which the patient in front of the doctor at the time seems to be at a very low or even no risk for. any of this is good or bad, and I'm only sharing what is. We may be slower to adopt these trends in healthcare because they've often come from what a lot of physicians think of as outside. Rather than commenting on whether this is good or bad, it seems to me that the trend does explain why some of the field is slower to adopt these changes. Having worked in healthcare for more than a decade through many venues, from cleaning rooms in the emergency department to work in the OR as a surgeon. I can share that, yes, we in healthcare really are behind other industries in terms of adopting key trends. However, I believe this is much more understandable given the nature of our work that directly and individually affects quality and quantity of human life, as well as the fact that, for better or worse, much of the impetus to adopt these trends has come from what some consider the outside. I consider, it my, I consider it my responsibility and all of ours as providers to be on the lookout for ways in which we can adopt well-worn tools that already exist to improve quality and digitization in our field. Let's make our call to action one where we get on board with these trends for at least those aspects that we reasonably expect may improve our care. Hopefully you found this useful. If you have questions or thoughts or feedback about the adoption of well-worn quality tools and uh, why healthcare sometimes evolves new tools and sometimes re-evolves one that already exists, 
Well, I'd like to hear it because it's fascinating to me to watch uh, what some consider, uh, many consider, and what I consider standard quality tools um, originally from Westinghouse, later uh, strung together as Six Sigma by Motorola uh, to see the advent of uh, Lean from uh, Toyota, which was originally a loom factory, incidentally. That's always fascinating. And to kind of watch that disseminate and now to watch it permeate healthcare, well, it's fascinating to me. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it for why or why not uh, these tools are adopted. So stop by the blogs, uh, insights.thesurgicallab.com or thehealthcarequalityblog.com and share. Let me know your thoughts. Have a great day and hopefully you found this useful. Did you know the HQP is on SoundCloud and iTunes? Visit us there and at the podcast's home, surgicalbusinessmodelinnovation.com.